Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. For a few moments in His presence right now. Father, we thank you right now that you're moving in this place this morning. That God, your presence is so real. And Father, we do, we declare right now that there's joy coming back to people this morning. That depression has to go in the name of Jesus. We declare that hopelessness has to go in the name of Jesus. We declare that chains break in the name of Jesus. And we thank you right now, Father, that you're moving through this room right now. That your spirit is moving right now in this room. That you're touching lives right now. That you're setting people free right now. That sickness has to go in the name of Jesus. You paid the price for it. We thank you right now that strongholds are being broken right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, right now that today is a turnaround day for people. That today is a day where the chapter ends and a new story begins. We thank you, Father, that right now you are transitioning people out of darkness and into marvelous light. We thank you, Father, right now. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. We thank you that we serve a risen King. That our God is not dead, but He is surely alive. Oh, hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Jesus, this morning. We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Father, that your word is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you that your word says that it is the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. By reason of the anointing, the yoke is broken. And so, Father, we thank you this morning that the anointing that makes preaching easy would be in the room and that, Father, your word would go forth to accomplish what you send it to do. I'm completely aware of my total dependence on you this morning, God. And I thank you, Father, that because you're in the room, all things are possible. And I thank you, Father, this morning that when I pull my hands back, it would be your handprint that's left. It would be the evidence that you've been in the room, that you, the living God, have touched your people, and that you've brought them close to you this morning, God. We thank you, Father, right now for your presence and your power in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can be seated this morning in the presence of the Almighty. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Jesus. Oh, He's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. I feel the anointing in the room this morning. Before I get into the Word, I just need to be obedient this morning. Stephen Nita, the Lord gave me a word for you during worship. Uh, Would you mind standing this morning? I just, as I was just standing there worshiping, I felt the Lord say that the well that you have dug on the inside has reached its breaking point. And I said, Lord, what does that even mean? It's reached its breaking point. We don't want a well to break. But this is what He showed me is that it has reached the breaking point for a deeper level. That you, you have felt for some season, not that you've plateaued, but there's been a cry in your heart, there must be more. 
And the Lord has said, you, your well digging has reached a breaking point that you're about to break through the hard pan that has kept you from the next level and that you're breaking into a deeper place. And the Lord said, watch out when the water breaks forth because it's not going to be just a little bubbling up, that there is a tidal wave coming from the deep places, that just as deep calls unto deep, the Lord says that when you go back to California, that there's going to be an unsettling. There's an unsettling taking place because, it's again, it's not that you've settled, but you've settled, if that makes sense. You've, you've reached kind of the, the breaking point, if you will. And I really don't know anything about you other than your great people that have been friends with Greg and Shelley for a lot of years. That's really all I know about you. But are you in ministry? You are in ministry. This is what the Lord began to show me is that you've, you've tasted of winds of the move of God. And you've seen the winds come. But the Lord says, get ready for the deluge. That because on the inside you've dug a well, He says, from the outside I'm about to bring a deluge on your ministry. And I don't know if traveling ministry has been in your heart, and I'm not saying this is the direction of the Lord, but I do feel the Lord saying that He's about to open some doors for you because there are things that you've learned in the secret place and behind the scenes of ministry for years that there are pastors that need what you carry because you carry uh, in the Spirit the support system of the Spirit that there is a great support ministry around your lives and that you have the ability to come in and where visionaries don't know how to implement, you have this implementing gift. And the Lord says for you, uh, Nita, that there is a, such a gift of intercession. And I don't like saying that over women because it seems so cliche. Oh, you're an intercessor. But it's actually, it's not just inter, you're not just an intercessor. You carry high level intercession that is strategic and that actually breaks dams. I don't know why the Lord keeps giving me these pictures of water, but I, I see it's like the Lord's putting you uh, near water, that there's this transitional thing near water. And I'm not saying you're moving, but you might be. Uh, but there's this transitional thing about water. Uh, but you come into places, and behind the scenes, you have this ability to break things open for people. So this season, you've gone through a season of brokenness. And I don't know what that is, but there were some disappointments and some brokenness. But the Lord says that brokenness has given you a thrust to break open things. So get ready in this next season because not only have you reached the breaking, breaking point internally, but externally the deluge is coming, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, now I can preach. Hallelujah. Got that out of the way. Hallelujah. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to start this morning. Matthew chapter 6 and jump down to verse 25. Uh, I'm going to give us a little bit of a recap from last week. I started a new series uh, called Priorities. Say priorities. Priorities. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to jump down to verse 25. Uh, Greg, I don't know what that is, but that hum is back in my monitors. Lord Jesus, help me this morning. There, you know what? I've traveled all over, and I tell you, in every sound system, there's a devil. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 is where we're going to start. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? 
And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, and this has kind of been the crux of where this message is headed. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I established last week in our message that to seek first is to crave above all else. That if we're to crave anything, it should be His kingdom, which is His rulership and dominion in our lives, and His righteousness. And His righteousness is the state of being like Him. So if we're to crave anything in our life, if we're to seek anything, we are to seek after, to crave after, to earnestly desire His rulership in our lives that we may be like Him. All the other stuff, all the labels, all the clothing, all the shoes, all that stuff, all your food. He says, I'll take care of all of that. What I want you to get your eyes on, what I want you to focus in on, is that if you'll focus in on becoming like me, all the other stuff I'll take care of. Now, in and of itself, it's real easy to say, don't worry. Anyone ever had someone tell you, don't worry? Anyone ever wanted to punch them in the throat? Right? You say, tell, don't tell me not to worry. Do you know the stress in my life? Do you know what I'm carrying? Do you know my pocketbook and my bank account? But Jesus so poignantly says, if you'll seek to be like me, you won't even worry about that stuff. If I clothe the lily of the fields, if I give the birds enough to eat, if you'll just seek to be like me, you won't worry about all this other stuff. Seek my rulership. Seek my dominion in your life. Seek because the kingdom of God is all about if we will seek His kingdom first. He likens it unto leaven. We talked about the leaven of the kingdom last week, that that leaven comes in on the inside. And just like that loaf of bread, it begins to transform the very matter of our being. It's much like the butterfly who really has a lot of faith as a caterpillar because that caterpillar has to crawl out on that branch, has to throw itself into the air, dangle from one thread, trusting that the transformation process will take place, loses its complete identity. But in the process, of transformation becomes a brand new creation. And you've got to understand something this morning, that if we will take the step of faith to say, God, here I am, here's all of me, here's every part of me, here's my very nature, here's the things that I struggle with, here's all of my stuff. And we'll throw ourselves off that proverbial branch of faith and we'll let God take care of the transformation, we'll emerge into something brand new. And all the stuff that we once struggled with, the perspective of always being on the ground, the perspective of having to struggle to climb, all those things end when we become a new creation because we're given the ability to see from a new perspective and fly to a new place. This is just the intro this morning. Hallelujah. We established last week that the kingdom of God is about invasion. That that leaven, when it's put into that flower, when it's put in as a change agent, it invades the whole thing. Jesus says just a little leaven changes the whole thing. 
doesn't take a whole lot. You get just a little bit of kingdom around you. Isn't it true you start hanging around with some influential people? We knew this in the world real well, right? You got around the wrong people. They, they could easily sway you, right? You got around those people that knew the right words. Oh, come on. We'll only be out till midnight. 4 a.m. You're stumbling into your house. Right? Anyone? No, no one ever been there? Some of y'all been saved your whole life. God bless you. I'm so thankful you're so holy. So I'll preach to those who've been there this morning. But you get around some kingdom people who have a little bit of fire on the inside. They start talking about the things of God and all of a sudden, you start getting a little stirred up on the inside. Oh, I want to see a miracle like that. Oh, I want miracles like that in my life. I want God to provide like that. And that little bit of leaven, just that little bit starts making some change on the inside. Your hunger for things starts to change. And when you stop feeding the other things, you know, I had to see a naturopathic doctor in 2020. And she told me, see, I, I had had a, a really large tumor in my colon that uh, could have been stage four cancer had they not cut it out when they did. God saved me from that. But I went to see a naturopathic doctor and she said, you know what your issue is, is that you've got a parasite and you're feeding it. I said, what do you mean I've got a parasite? She goes, well, have you ever been to Fiji? I'm like, how did you know that? Yes, I've been to Fiji. I did missions work in Fiji. She says, well, you've got a specific parasite that only comes from that part of the world, and that's why you feel as awful as you do. She goes, so you've got to stop feeding it. And so I said, okay, well, how do I do that? So she put me on this really strict diet. How many of us love diets? I know I don't. But she put me on this really strict thing to stop feeding it. But you know what began to happen is I began to feed myself the right things that my body needed. She began to have me eat for my blood type. And I'm not endorsing all this this morning. I'm telling it for a story, all right? As I began to eat the right things, I began to have the right energy. All of a sudden, where I couldn't get off the couch all summer because I'd been so sick, all of a sudden I had energy. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, I can, I can do this. I can face life again. I can function again. The brain fog is gone. All the things that the parasite, and that's how sin works in our life. It's a parasite that if we'll feed it, it will soon consume the whole thing of our body. It'll get into every system. But if we'll stop feeding it, we'll begin to feed ourselves the right thing. If we'll have the right leaven in our life, the leaven of the kingdom begins transformation. So we established all of that last week. And I want to look at another aspect of this leaven. Turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look at uh, verse 13. Mark 8, 13. And we'll read on down through 21. Only two passages this morning. Melanie said, hallelujah. Verse 13. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, Twelve. When I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he was saying to them, Do you not yet 
understand. Jesus is confronting in this passage the unbelief of the disciples. It wasn't about the bread in that moment. Here, it, it prefaces that they'd forgotten the bread. They didn't bring any bread. But he says to them, have, have you already forgotten what I've done? When I had seven loaves, I had seven baskets left over. I've fed 4,000 on seven loaves. It's, he's confronting their unbelief here. But I want to look at verses 14 and 15 because it's important. He says, they'd forgotten to take the bread and did not have more than one loaf to them, one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Here the disciples, they're thinking he's rebuking them for forgetting bread. I mean, can you imagine traveling around with these guys? Have you ever had someone you just want to take them by the face and say, Are you in there? <laughs> Have you ever had that before? You just want to hold them and say, Is there anything left in there? Is the what is functioning on the inside there? I mean, I can imagine that Jesus often felt like that. And, and he's, he's saying to them, I'm telling you about two types of leaven. So last week we talked about the leaven of the kingdom. Today I want to talk about the other two types of leaven. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Because he refers to all three. They refer to three different ways of thinking. Thinking that can infiltrate our view of life and control how we live our lives. Will we be controlled by the leaven of the kingdom? Will we be controlled by the leaven of the Pharisees or by the leaven of Herod? The leaven of Herod, because this story, you need to understand this, is confronting faith. And it's confronting about what hinders faith. And the major hindrance to faith is wrong thinking. All centers right here. How we think will confront how our faith operates. What we give our attention to, what we allow to infiltrate, will, will ultimately decide how much faith we allow to rise up out of our spirit. We are not just some proverbial spirit floating around like the Gnostics say. We are a triune being. We are three parts. Our spirit, which is full of faith, born again at the moment of salvation, has to work with our thinking. Faith doesn't just happen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I'll say it another way. Jacob's translation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the invasion of the kingdom of God into your life. And so there's the leaven of the kingdom that seeks to transform us, but there's two other leavens that seek to control your life. And Jesus lays them out for us here. And I want to talk about the first, which is the leaven of Herod. So who is Herod? Why would he refer to Herod at this time? Herod was the political head of that time. Herod was a ruler. And here's the deal. Politics can easily rule our thinking. Now, a lot of you, as soon as I said politics, you thought of two colors, red and blue. That's not the politics I'm talking about. While that can rule your thinking, and I think a lot in our nation has been ruled by that. And I think the church for too long has been divided into colors when we just need the blood of Jesus. 
Because here's the deal. I know that even in our church, there's some liberals, there's some conservatives, there's some red, there's some blue. I'm not concerned about any of that. What I'm concerned about is have you come to the cross of Jesus? Have you surrendered your whole life to him? Has he transformed you? Because he'll sort all that out. I can try and convince you one way all day. But Jesus even points us back. So 2,000 years ago, this was still an issue. The leaven of Herod. But what is politics when it comes to the church and to the kingdom? We're not talking about red and blue. Politics is the religion of compromise. Politics is the religion of non-offense. What do you mean? Well, we'll resist the more outlandish manifestations of God for fear of what people may think and how they may react. Politics always has at its root a spirit of fear. Consider that in terms of government. For fear of not being elected, a politician won't tell you what they really think. They'll tell you what they think you want to hear. And then as soon as they're elected, what happens? They change their whole stance because they just needed your votes. The overall good of a nation is not the ruling principle, but popularity, right? It's all about popularity. Just keep everyone happy. That's what the leaven of Herod is, is we won't confront what needs to be confronted in the lives because we don't want to offend people. So you don't need to repent. The church is full of that. We mustn't offend people, so you create church to facilitate everyone's preferences. Let's not cast out demons in front of everyone. Let's just hide that away. That's a ministry we don't need in front of people. Now, listen. When I start talking about deliverance, that spirit starts rising. Oh, what is he talking about? He's going to cast out demons. If someone started manifesting a demon, I'm not going to hijack the whole service to deal with it. I'm going to make it stop, and then I'll probably get a few people and say, go, go help them. But what I'm saying is that so often we go, let's not even have the operation of anything. Let's not have the move of the spirit in the corporate body. Let's reserve that for maybe one Wednesday a month. There's a whole movement that says, only let the Holy Spirit work one Wednesday a month. Are you kidding me? We need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart, let alone come to church. I mean, come on. And so, so the, the political spirit, this leaven of Herod, seeks to control the move of God. The thinking behind the leaven of Herod is one of fear of man that causes our beliefs and behaviors to be adjusted so that we can keep the peace at all costs. So what are some examples of this? Well, we begin to get hurt by somebody. Now, I'm not invalidating hurt this morning. Please don't hear that. But we get hurt by someone. Maybe someone in church. Maybe I didn't shake your hand last Sunday. So all of a sudden you're offended. The leaven of Herod does this. Stuff it away. Don't deal with it. Avoid the person. Just hide your hurt. Don't ever deal with it. Just keep the peace at all cost. But what happens when we do that? That leaven begins to permeate our spirit. Begins to, to take root in us. And so then we have all these undealt with hurts and bitterness, and offenses. And all of a sudden, we begin to view everyone through that hurt and that offense. Someone could just be walking past us, not even realizing we're there, and all of a sudden, oh, that person doesn't like me anymore. All of a sudden, that person across the room who had a booger in their nose and was trying to figure out how to get it out, 
was not scowling at you. Right? I mean, let's get real, folks. We carry these offenses and this bitterness because the leaven of Herod says, don't deal with offense, just keep the peace. So we surrender an inner peace for the sake of keeping appearances because it's not really keeping the peace. It's keeping up appearances. I don't want anyone to see that I'm vulnerable, that I'm real, that I have hurts just like everybody else. I had someone tell me one time, Pastor Jacob, don't share what you go through from the pulpit. It makes people uncomfortable to know that their pastor goes through things. Huh? I'm uncomfortable with you telling me that. I can't be fake. If any of you know me, it just don't happen. I just Someone told me one time, man, your face tells it before you say it. I, I can't help it. The only time it didn't was when I was getting Botox for migraines. Hallelujah. God decided He needed to deliver me of that. But see, it's very comforting to have a reason for our hurt and pain. We enjoy our hurt and pain. We, we wear our hurts and our offenses like some badge in our life. Well, I've got church hurt and I'm a deconstructionist. You're not deconstructing anything. The kingdom cannot be shaken. All you're doing is walking away from your first love because you got hurt in church. And listen, I've said this several weeks in a row. Church hurt is real. People are messy. They do dumb things. It happens. It happens, but, but what happens that, or what needs to happen is kingdom thinking is this. Forgive. Reconcile. Go talk to the person. Humble yourself enough to go and say, hey, you know what? That really hurt me. And you know what I can guarantee? Nine times out of ten, they don't even realize they hurt you. I mean, I, I had a situation recently. Someone came to me and they said, Pastor Jacob, when you did such and such, that really hurt. I was appalled. I thought that was not my intention at all. What had happened is I was sitting across from them, and on Sundays I don't wear my Apple Watch because it's distracting. But I'd looked at my Apple Watch because I try to make sure that if my wife's calling, I answer. Well, this person got really hurt that I looked at my watch because they thought that I was checking the time and was wanting them to wrap up. So you know what I did? I started taking my Apple Watch off during meetings with people. But I thought, I was not checking the time. That was not my intention at all. But we can do things not even realizing the hurt that it brings to someone else. But I was so proud of that person for coming to me and saying, that really hurt. Because that takes humility to say we're hurt. But the leaven of Herod seeks to keep you bound in your hurts. It seeks to keep you bitter. It seeks to, it seeks to keep you political. It says that the responsibility of your future emotional state is very much according to how you handle those emotions. See, we ignore our current emotions thinking, I'll deal with it later. But you know what happens? It never gets dealt with. And then it controls our life, and so we go years. I told the story about the, the cherry pie lady. Anyone ever remember the cherry pie lady? I've told the story a couple times. This woman for 42 years, 42 years was bound in a fence because her mother didn't like her cherry pie. It started with that. It started with that one seed of her mother saying, oh, this isn't very good. 
And for 42 years, it created this offense, this deep wounding. And she was motivated by this deep wounding for years to the point that anytime anyone said anything to her, oh, you just hate me. No, I was, I was actually complimenting you. And I tell the story that she came up in the healing line. And she says, I've had this issue for years and I just can't get over it. And the Lord said to me, slap her. And I said, no, I will not slap her. And the Lord said, slap her. And I said, no, Jesus, I'm not slapping this woman. I'm going to get arrested. And she's just boo-hooing. And I'm not invalidating her hurt, but boo-hooing. And the Lord said, I said, slap her. And before I could catch my hand, it hit her in the face. And I said, Jesus is Lord, what did I just do? And she looked at me. She got the biggest smile on her face. She goes, thank you. Thank you. I said to the Lord this morning, I'm going to this meeting tonight, and I need you to slap some sense into me. The Lord answered her prayer, so be careful what you pray, church. Might come through a healing line. Give you the fivefold. Ha! But that's what the leaven of Herod does. It seeks to keep you bound in your offenses. The second leaven is the leaven of the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They were religious leaders. And religion can also rule our thinking without even knowing it. What religion does is seek to bring an explanation to the miraculous, not a revelation of the miraculous. It seeks to explain everything. I've just come to know that with God I can't explain it sometimes. And I just have to trust that He's good and that He can be God all by Himself. He doesn't need me to explain everything. Someone gets blasted with the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's just emotionalism. Well, what you don't recognize is that person had been depressed for seven years. So the fact that they're rolling on the ground laughing, that's a breakthrough. I think I told the story last week. I was in a meeting one time and a woman came up to the front with hardly any clothes on. And she's, she's worshiping so freely. And I'm judging her. And I'm thinking, God, get someone to put some clothes on this woman. I can't worship freely. And my pastor friend leaned over and said, isn't that beautiful? She was just a prostitute three weeks ago. I didn't know her story. I don't know what the leaven of the kingdom was doing on the inside of her, what transformation was happening on the inside of her. But the leaven of the Pharisees seeks to go, oh, don't worship like that. How dare they jump in church? How dare they get so emotional? We don't need all this emotionalism. You need some emotions in your life. You need to get some freedom. There's so much hurt wrapped up on the inside of you. God wants to set you free. I remember there was a man in Australia. He came up to me after the morning service and he said, You're a real emotional preacher, aren't you? I said, Well, I just might be. He said, oh, we don't need all this emotion in our church. You're going to ruin the church. I said, I don't need to ruin the church. You already have. I said, you're so bound up. and I mean, you're, you're a Pharisee. I, I, I had just done preached and, and laid hands on like 200 people. I don't have a filter after that. That's why I tell pastors, don't let me talk to people after a service. It's not going to go well if I'm traveling. I have zero filter. And he goes, oh, well, well, well. I said, no, here's the issue. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. When you were three years old, you fell off a, uh, I think it was a slide or something, and your dad said, stop crying. I said, from that point, you've never cried ever since. 
I said, that's why you're so bound. He starts crying, boo-hooing. I mean, just travailing, weeping. That Sunday night, he was in the service. He was up in the front row jumping up. Hallelujah! I mean, he's running and jumping. And my pastor friend looked at me. He said, what did you do to him? I said, I didn't do anything. The Holy Ghost just set him free. He says, you know, that man comes up to me every Sunday and tells me I'm too emotional. I said, he's not going to anymore. He's going to get the rest of the church free. <clears throat> but see, that's what the leaven of the Pharisees does. It tries to explain everything away. It tries to, to, to box it in. It says things like this. That person's sick because it's to teach them a lesson. That person is sick because God is dealing with them. We don't know why they've not been healed, but all things work together for good. God will glorify it in the end. No! That person is sick because the devil has impacted their lives, plain and simple. We try to explain away sickness and we glorify the enemy. There was a book written, uh, I think it's Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. No, what we need is there's a bad devil doing bad things and there's a good God who wants to set people free. Good God, good things. Evil devil, evil things. Real simple, folks. Sickness is never good. It's always harmful. It's always painful. It's always damaging. And Jesus took way too many stripes for us to glorify sickness. He took way too many stripes for us to go, oh, well, that's, that's just, you know, the Lord's just teaching them something. Hallelujah. No. If the Lord gave you sickness, why do you go to the doctor? God, you gave this to me to teach me a lesson, but I'm going to go to the doctor to get rid of it. Now listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doctors. Please understand that. I value the medical field and what they've been able to do in many respects. But ultimately, God is my healer. And I can't relegate sickness as something that God does. God doesn't give sickness to people to teach them a lesson. But religion will attempt to explain away sickness and bring reasoning to it. Here's a better title for the book. Why Good People Are Not Able to Overcome Evil Things. Now then we could talk about the impact of sin, unbelief, division in the church, sovereignty of God, rebellion, disobedience, the operation of faith, how it works. That would be a better book. Because if we start dealing with the stuff in our lives, we begin to... Thanks, Mom. I'll add it to my list. But see, this is what religion does. It seeks explanation, not revelation. And it will always draw away from the miraculous and compromise the Holy Spirit. Always. It will always relegate the third person of the Trinity to air or gravity. You better believe He's gravity. He'll knock you over and keep you there until He changes you. So we've got the leaven of Herod, we've got the leaven of the Pharisees, and I want to wrap up this idea on the leaven of the kingdom. It's the only positive leaven. In reference to our thinking, it refers to faith thinking. It revolves around believing that God lives today. God is impacting lives today. God will intervene in our lives with supernatural force. It's thinking that takes the Bible and believes it even when our circumstances contradict what the Word tells us. It's behavior that even in the face of being made foolish, we would still say, I believe God. 
when it even appears that God has forsaken us, we would still say, I believe God, that God is still good. That even when my circumstances seek to contradict the very truth that I believe, I can say God is still good. I can't explain everything. And it would be religious to say that I could. I can't explain why one person gets healed and the next one doesn't. I can't give you the answers for why we fasted and prayed for this miracle and it happened and we fasted and prayed for this miracle and it didn't. I will never know those answers. But what I do know is that His Word... never changes. His character never changes. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And He's still going to be the same tomorrow. I can't explain all the situations. But what I can do is trust that God is good. And He will always be good. And the more I know Him, the gooder He gets. I mean, we can be Christians all of our lives. You know, I couldn't explain in 2019. We had served God. We had been faithful. We, we had tithed. I mean, we can go through all the things. And yet my wife is in the ICU for six weeks. I had seen people healed of the very same condition. I can't explain why she faced what she faced. I can't explain why she wasn't instantaneously healed. But you know what? I know that God is still the healer. I know that she's still alive today because we prayed. It may have not come out the way we wanted it to, and the work's not done yet, but I'm telling you, God is good. There was nothing in that situation where God wasn't good. And I think our religion often tries to convince us, well, God God is good, hallelujah, but He's done this. No! We have to challenge that. The Pharisees were constantly looking for a sign to prove who Jesus was. And he goes, I've already done it. I don't need another sign to prove that God is good. I don't need another healing to prove that He heals. I've already seen Him do it. His Word declares that He's already done it. And when we stand in His Word and we catch the revelation, we deal with the leaven of the Pharisees and we come into the leaven of the kingdom. Because the leaven of the kingdom transforms my faith thinking. Melanie, you can put something on for me. I mean, we can go through our our Christian life and and we can have it all together. But you know what? It's been in my darkest moments where I've, I've caught a better revelation of how good He is. It's been in those moments of, of deep, deep darkness where I didn't think I'd get out. Can we just be real? I started 2019 myself, locking myself in my closet, looking at the gun, thinking, can I survive this? Let's be real. I've been there. You may have been there. I've been there. I know depression. I know suicidal thoughts. But you know what I also know? I know a deliverer who is faithful and good and sets free. I had no idea what 2019 was going to be for us. And then none of us had a clue. There wasn't a prophet on the earth who knew what 2020 was going to be. They all said, oh, it's going to be the year of open vision. Well, the eyes were open. I think we all got some better sight of ourselves in 2020. But I told you in September, 5783, 2023 is a year of recompense. It's a year of retribution. 
It's a year that God is bringing back what we've lost. And He's not going to do it through a political figure. He's not going to do it through a world system. He's going to do it through the kingdom, getting on the inside of you, bringing transformation to you, and you walking and possessing what He paid for. We need the leaven of the kingdom to transform us. You could go through hard things and you could say one of two things. Well, I guess the Bible doesn't work and God's not real. Or, no matter what, I will still believe God. Job responded that way. And God still had to set him right on a couple things. Where were you when I put the storehouses in heaven? Where were you when I did this? But Job said to his wife, I mean, his wife was saying, just curse God and die. And then some friends that he had. I think we've all had a few of those friends. They're the ones I talked about at the beginning. You want to hold them? Are you in there? Some of them you want to throat punch? I'm just being real. Lay hands on them. But he said to his wife, shall we indeed accept good from God and not understand our adversity? The power of that statement rings for every believer in every situation. People have tried to take the book of Job and they've tried to use it to say, well, God afflicts. God did not afflict Job. The devil afflicted Job. Well, he had God's permission. Well, you know what? Here's the deal. Two things. That was before the cross, number one. And number two, you ain't God, you don't understand it. And you never will. So don't try to. Real simple. There will be things that will go wrong. I can't, I can't get up here and tell you, well, you're just going to live your best life and nothing's ever going to go wrong. I can't do that. I would be a liar. But what I can tell you is get this right. Get the leaven of the kingdom on the inside of you. That when things do begin to go wrong and things don't go the way you expected them, you have enough faith to sustain you to get through it. Things go wrong, but that never changes the reality that God is God and sits on His throne. I had enough, enough faith to get through 2019. Sometimes it didn't feel like it. And then I had others who would come alongside of me. That's why we need the church. All these people say you don't need the church. I want to slap them a couple times. We need the church. Because had it not been for the church, I wouldn't be alive. My wife wouldn't be alive. Some of you in this room wouldn't be alive. Yeah, the church is messed up. But you know what? He said he's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. That means we've got some spots and we've got some wrinkles. And he'll iron them out. And he'll clean us up. It's a process. But I want to tell you this morning, God is good. And when you get the leaven of the kingdom on the inside of you, it transforms how you view Him. It transforms how you respond to Him. And it gives you faith to sustain you through the hard times. Kingdom thinking holds to the value of faith even in the face of impossible odds. And this morning, I know some of you are facing impossible odds. Some of you have had diagnosis this week. Some of you have had things come across your table this week that you go, I don't know how this one's going to work out. But I've seen him time and time again. Sometimes he shows up at 11.59 and 59 seconds. 
And you're like, midnight's about to hit. And he shows up. He's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. And I want to prophesy to you this morning the impossible odds that you're facing. The things that look like the opposite of what you've prayed for. I'm prophesying to you this morning. God's going to work it out. And He's good. Catch hold of faith this morning. Let faith begin to operate on the inside of you. Let that leaven of the kingdom begin to permeate those areas. If you have an impossible situation this morning, I want you to stand. If you have a situation that you know, I I can't fix this one. I need God to do it. I want you to stand. With man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. And I want to pray for you this morning before I hand it over. I've come to prophesy to you this morning that what you are facing seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If you're around someone standing this morning, I want you to reach your hands towards them. And I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you this morning that with you all things are possible. And Father, I pray right now that the leaven of the kingdom would begin to invade these situations and bring transformation this morning, God. Bring transformation this morning, God. Let the anointing come right now and bring transformation to these impossible situations. We prophesy right now to the impossibilities being faced in this room. And we declare that God is good and He is more than able. He is more than able. We release faith right now to these impossible situations. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.